0: Welcome everyone to another episode of Listen to the Vibes. I am very, very happy to have Mr. Danny Garcia here with me. He is a director. Uh, He's done some documentary films that I really, really enjoy. Um, One of them was The Rise and Fall of the Clash. Uh, Another one was Looking for Johnny about Johnny Thunder. And uh, my all-time favorite right now is uh, Rolling Stone, The uh, Life and Death of Brian Jones. How are you today, sir? Yeah,
1: good, thank you. Still alive.
0: (laughs) Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, um, I was born in Barcelona in the 1970s, so I'm an old dude now. Um, You know, I've been a music aficionado, you know, forever. Like, I discovered the Stones when I was six years old, and I started collecting albums. You know, I asked my father, can you get me a Rolling Stones album? And he brought me Aftermath. Ooh. And after that, everywhere we went, you know, what do you want? Do you want something like a souvenir? So yeah, I want a Rolling Stones record. So <laughs> that's how I started my collection when I was a little kid, you know. And, I, you know, I was always into music. Then punk thing happened and my older brothers got, got into it. And I discovered the pistols and the Clash. And, and, you know, it's been downhill ever since, you know.
0: <laughs> Downhill,
1: <laughs> you know it is.
0: I hear you. So that love of music that just got you interested in doing documentaries.
1: Yeah, well, I used to play in bands, and then I started writing in rock music magazines. Like when I was nineteen, I was doing fanzines before that. Um, so you know, I have this thing about music and communication. You know forever <clears throat> and then i went to live I went, I went abroad i lived in london for a while for five years um and when i came back i started doing zero budget documentaries for local television in barcelona mm-hmm. and they were about you know things that happened in the city so you know i had friends who were djs so i would film them and interview them and, you know it was just you know, little 30-minute things, but that got me interested Um, because, you know, that's when the digital revolution happened. Right. Before the digital revolution happened, cinema was for rich people, so you had to go to a special school and learn and then get a lot of money so you could buy film and shoot 35 or whatever, or 16, and, you know... That was, like, impossible for most, you know, everybody, you know. You know especially if you're not a rich kid, you know, the, with no support from your parents. How are you, know, you going to get all that knowledge and material? It was impossible. With the digital revolution, it made it possible for everybody to make film and, you know, music and everything. that people do photography, you can do with a the phone these days, you know. right so i you know i kind of became fascinated with uh looking through the the screen you know and um that's how i started then i had the idea to make a mentor about the clash luckily i knew people with money i convinced them to back me up and they foolishly did (laughs) (laughs) And and that got me started
0: you know basically really so how'd you get involved with chip baker films
1: Well, we created that, me and my uh, business associate, we created that company. um, Basically, because it was an outlet for us to release all these films about demented artists that, you know, I particularly love since I was a kid, like Thunders and Steve Bader's, Sid Vicious, Nancy Spongen, and all this, you know, Brian Jones, all this crazy, obscure or semi, semi-obscure characters that were part of my universe growing up as a child and teenager. You know? I was like really devoted. You know, I was like, you know, I love Steve Baters like nobody knew, nobody knows who he is still today. But back then, like nobody, only like rock and roll people and people who are into music knew who Steve Baters was or Dead Boys or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, basically me and a bunch of friends, you know. So it is really mad. It's really crazy to think that all these years after I'm making these films about all these crazy demented artists that I loved so much growing up. You know? For me it's a total it's a trip and it's an honor, really. You
0: know? Yeah. Well, I could tell you really put your heart into it because I really love those documentaries.
1: Thank you. I try, I try my best with what I have, you know? Like I admire people like Roger Corman, stuff like that. You know, people that make something out of nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, like people that would never spend a million dollars on a production. They would make 10 movies with a million dollars or 20 maybe, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? So so that's my philosophy. It's really a punk rock philosophy. It's one, two, three, four, do it, you know? Just do it.
0: So that's that's why
1: I learned. That's why I learned. One of the things that I learned that I take from punk rock is that DIY philosophy. You know, do it yourself. Um, you know how to do it, no problem. Just start, and it'll happen.
0: Well, for somebody like me, that's really kind of just getting into this kind of thing. Um, how, how do you go about like finding the people that you did for the documentary? I mean, that were you know actually knew these people.
1: Um. Well, I use Facebook a lot, (laughs) anything, anything, web pages, email, whatever, contacts, asking people, how do I get in touch with this person, uh, you know, Um, that's how, you know, that's how it all begun, really. But, you know, once I had the client's documentary in the can and released, then people were taking me a little bit more seriously, so it was easier to convince people, not really A-listers. They're really hard to convince.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: People. You know, because they got managers and what are you doing in a documentary about a junkie? Oh, no, sorry, we're not interested. You know what I mean? Not everybody wants to be associated with junkies and stuff like that. So I get it. But, you know, to me, to have Walter Lohr and Sylvain and Lee Childers and Jane County and all these people and Alan Vega and stuff, man, they are A-listers to me, you know? Right. It might not be Steven Tyler and, you know, whatnot, But to me, these people are like, top, you know?
0: Oh, I know so exactly I'm what you mean. I'm,
1: I'm good, man, you know, I'm good. And there's, the thing is, I always get in touch with like 50 people when I start doing all these projects. And then 25 end up appearing in the film, you know? It's a kind of natural selection, you know, people not everybody wants to be interviewed. I don't want to be interviewed. I don't like being interviewed, to be honest. <laughs> it's, not, it's not my favorite thing.
0: Well, I, I do appreciate you, you all, coming on. I mean,
1: dude, we, we all need exposure. So I thank you for letting me, you know, blop about my stuff.
0: Well, you know, I've I watched these documentaries and my love of it and the love of the music. Uh, I see somebody on there that I'm like, man, it'd be great to talk to them myself. And like you i get on facebook or you know i google their name get on wikipedia see if they have a website or some some way i could get a hold of them and sometimes you get lucky sometimes people kind of look at you like you're stupid but uh you know when you're doing what you're doing i i, I mean i would be really interested in doing it. but once again you know the people that we we really idolize maybe not on top of everybody's list right now i mean I've, I've had bands on here that i've loved since i was a kid and i've never dreamed that i'd be talking to them and right you know okay so maybe they're not on, on the top 40 to me sure they're, they're always be number one exactly That's just, what matters. so what about all the 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 different like films of these folks how do you get a hold of that is it like old News, documentaries? Yeah, I
1: mean, you know, you have places like Getty Images and stuff. Then you have um, private collectors or photographers. You know, there's a lot of people out there with lots of material. Well, not loads, but, you know, there is quite a bit of material out there, you know, to be licensed for whatever you're doing. And, um, you know, it's like everything. man. You know, if you got a bit of money, you can convince anybody to do anything or lend you or license you or anything so like I mean we've been really lucky and you know to be able to count on people like Bob Gruen and Alan Tannenbaum and, you know great photographers and filmmakers that like Don Letts you know that we've licensed stuff from you know. I mean dude to me really like I remember editing the Clash documentary and looking at Don Letts material and you know thinking wow this is like editing a Beatles documentary, you know, know, because suddenly we had like footage that, you know, nobody had seen before. I don't know, crazy shit like that. That's a beautiful thing, you know.
0: So the next one you should do is on Keith Moon. I would love that. I'm putting I'm putting my two cents in.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the problem with music documentaries is the music rights. Yeah. They're very expensive, and the bigger the artist, the bigger the fee. <clears throat> you know, so that's the main hurdle we have to deal with, you know? And it's always the hardest thing, you know, to get the money to pay for those bills. Like right now, I'm working on this documentary about Max's Kansas City, and, you know, there's a lot of music. And we have to censor ourselves because the bill just was, you know, too high, you know. Yeah. So we have to cut it and, we, you know, use alternative artists or lesser known artists instead of the big ones that everybody's heard anyway, like Blondie, Ramones. Whatnot. It's a very interesting story man, because nobody really knows what Maxis Kansas City was nowadays. People know about CBGB's, they you know, hardly. You know, the, the movie they did didn't really help. But anyway, people know about CBGB's and they think, oh yeah, CBGB's like punk rock mecca. Um, but really, it was Maxis, you know. Maxis is where the Velvet, you know, played, and then the Stooges and Alice Cooper, and then it became this punk rock joint, you know. Mm-hmm suicide and the heartbreakers and just everybody playing there and the, and the backstory is crazy and the end of it is just insane what happened to like the owner what he did to, to fuck everything up and you know he had to sell the club I mean it's just outrageous so right now I'm working on this I have a second rough cut and we're basically looking for an outlet and you know, the rest of the money, so we can pay for all the bills and release.
0: Soon. That's the hardest part. Always. Yeah. So we're going to expect it on Amazon.
1: Well, whenever it's ready and you know, released. Yeah. That's the idea.
0: Yeah, that's been my kind of go to because I, I don't like regular TV anymore. And, you yeah. know, when I find Nobody stuff does. that I'm really, really interested in, like the music, Man, that's what i gravitate to I, that's all i really ever watch anymore yeah i mean
1: you know it's just the way you know people do it nowadays you, know, you stream whatever you want to watch and forget about the rest
0: well it's had to be kind of a dream for a lot of filmmakers to get involved with it like amazon it's something you might not otherwise get out
1: yeah amazon and other uh, outlets you know there's uh a bunch of them these days. You know. It's called night I cannot use the name Maxis because it's registered and the copyright holder wants me to pay for that. And I'm like, hold on a minute. Nobody knows who, what Maxis Kansas City was. You know, um, just to have Kansas in the title throws people, you know, off. They're like, what? Is, what are you talking about? No, Maxis Kansas City. The you know the New York rock scene, and the birth of punk. And they don't they don't know, you know, it's very sad, because it's, you know, such a legendary place, but, you know, hopefully this film will help um, inform people about it, because, I mean, that's, the, that's where Andy Warhol hang out every night, and all his crew of crazies, that's why the Velvets did a live at Max's album, and then, you know, Aerosmith were signed at Max's, Bruce Springsteen was signed at Max's, like, Live babies. The Wailers debuted at, in the U.S. at Maxis. Really? I mean, the story, Madonna, M- M- Madonna started her career with her band, Emmy, you know, and she played at Maxis a bunch of times as well. I mean, it's a really a legendary place, you know. Like in the New York Dolls, were a house band, then the Heartbreakers. <clears throat> and it's very, very interesting story.
0: See, I could sit here and listen to those stories for hours. Mm. That's my thing and, man.
1: The, 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 the stories that these people tell in the documentary they're fucking outrageous they're really entertaining you know people like Jane County I mean you know good rock and terrors here mm. they, um, they tell a lot of uh, entertaining stuff.
0: Well I mean and we are informative as well all we ever really hear is the the stuff that's on the surface when you get down to the nitty-gritty and you know the the blood sweat and tears of it all that's what's interesting to me
1: i know i know the you know the back is it's just uh and it's also important because all these people are you know they're dropping like flies unfortunately you know i mean we've lost a lot of people in the last few years that we've interviewed for these documentaries like Sylvain, Sylvain, Wolves of Lore, Billy Rath, The Black Childers, because, you know, the Dolls were a, a Max's band. The Heartbreakers were a Max's band. So there's a lot of talk about Max's and CBs, and the whole New York scene in the early mid and late 70s. And so, you know, we're lucky to have all this stuff. Um, and, you know, like I said, it's an honor. To have these people in
0: our films, so we got to keep it alive, man. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Of course, you know, us old farts we're we're dying off too. So, but it needs to it needs to go on. Our 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 kids, our grandkids, our great grandkids—they all need to hear this stuff.
1: Well, I mean, the thing is, punk rock changed the world, and people they don't, they don't know. They think it was just another fad that came and went, but it's not really like that. I mean, you know, before punks, it was all these fucking Rick Wakemans and Emerson Lake and Palmer and all these crazy, you know, 70s virtuoso bands that you had to go to Berkeley or something to to play in a band. You know, you had to know everything and be super like Joe Satriani. And and punk rock precisely was like, no, like if you don't know how to play, that's even better. (laughs) <laughs> because what's important is the attitude it doesn't matter you know it's all about the attitude and instead of doing 15 minute songs with like drum solo and trumpet solo and guitar solo and bass solo and you know that stuff that's like dude that's so boring hello so punk rock cut with everything they cut their hair short you know the image was shocking it was shocking then, and it's still shocking today oh yeah Look I mean, but- look. at if you look, if you look at Sid and Nancy, they look so modern, even today, by today's standards. Imagine that back in the 70s, of course, people were shocked. You know? <clears throat> so they did their job. It, it was to break with everything that had gone before and, you know, start fresh, you know. And that's why you had all these new waves of bands, like Talking Heads and The Cramps and Blondie and, ramones and just the list goes on and on and on and the talent they had like, well, like bands like television i mean come on man <laughs> there's, there's no music like that anymore, no. unfortunately. Yeah, so
0: well i don't know if you listened to the interview with glenn danzig but he was saying how the culture nowadays there's punk wouldn't make it nowadays People so No,
1: and, and, and actually Danzig and the Misfits started out at Maxis as well. Oh, wow. Maxis became, when the Bad Brains started playing New York, they started playing Maxis. And then there was the Stimulators and, you know, Heart Attack and Reagan Youth and Beastie Boys that did actually one of the last shows at Maxis. So, you know, after the punk thing and the New Wave thing, Maxis became the house for hardcore before CBGBs were doing, you know, the matinee shows, you know, Maxis was booking all these bands at nighttime, and and Glenn actually talks about Maxis and thanks Maxis for allowing them, you know, to cut their teeth. So that's how important that club was, and nobody knows because the club ended in 81. So then the, the, the MTV generation that just happened then, like in 82 whatever, when it started, they knew CBGB's as the house of punk, not Max's, because Max's was gone already. That's why it's, you know, it's kind of getting lost, you know. Yeah, it truly is. Kind of kind of what happened with Brian Jones and people like that, you know. They've been forgotten by history, almost, you know, so that's why it's also important to do these things.
0: Man. Well, I, you you hit it right on the nail right there. Um, we got to keep this alive. Uh, it's it's. I know there's a lot of people that are trying to revive some of this stuff. Uh, I don't think it'll ever become mainstream again. Um, not that it ever really was mainstream, but it was it was popular. I mean, I remember yeah. all these bands from when I was in high school. But we we listened to all the punk music and the heavy metal and all that stuff, and yeah, just. I don't see the same feeling that it had back then. It's gone.
1: No, man. You know, everything is sort of bland. and It's all manufactured. Uh, just the, the lack of substance in music and film and art in general is, you know, pretty alarming. But then there's always cool stuff. There's always cool stuff. You just got to look for it, you know. Extra hard. <laughs> you just got to search for it. There's still good movies and good stuff with substance being made and books and stuff. You just gotta find it, you know.
0: Well, I mean, there's bands. I mean, like uh, Godsmack and Rob Zombie and guys like that. I mean, I I enjoy that because I mean it's got something to it. But then oh, there's a lot of stuff that comes on. I just can't listen to because it sounds like it's just been manufactured by some corporation. Well, that's the thing. Everything
1: for for. A while now sounds overproduced and mm-hmm. it's like a movie you know it's all like fucking superheroes and shit like who wants to watch that shit i mean i don't i know people some people like it i get it i was a huge spider-man fan when i was nine you know <laughs> so i get it i get it but, you know it's cool i loved star wars when i was seven eight nine ten but, you know, some of us, we grow out of those things. And I don't go to, you know, I don't watch Hollywood films. There's you know,
0: no, nothing in there. Well, Everything's but a remake.
1: All over the world are making really cool stuff. So that's the thing. You just got to look for it. You know, Amazon, whatever.
0: Well, I've gotten into independent films. Uh, you know, they may not have that big budget. You know, the, the, uh, special effects and all that stuff and they don't have big name actors in it but it has a story behind it everything you see in now and coming out of hollywood is it's reboots and yeah they they might change the story a little bit and to to put whatever message they want to put into it but there's nothing special about it anymore
1: but then you got you got people making movies that you know like get out Stuff like that that you go, wow. See, people still are making good films.
0: Yeah. I mean there are some good ones that come out, don't get me wrong, but that's so much of it is just this just the same old, same old. Uh Just got new special effects to it. That's basically all it is. No, no imagination. I like the independence though. Just like when it comes to okay, I'm I am still a little bit of a kid at heart. I, I still like some of the comic book stuff although it's turning me off now the way they changing things but the independents we got to support those guys they have the real imagination and they're they're in it for the right reason
1: yeah <laughs> they're not making movies for a hundred million
0: no yeah. no but they got some great stories that's a that's what i'm in it for
1: yeah and i mean people they're they're making in hollywood they're making movies for 100 million and they fucking suck and you go like how come you got hundred fucking million, you still suck you know I mean?
0: <laughs> exactly it's
1: just, it's just fucking crazy
0: i mean the what they're remaking pirates of the caribbean and yeah. i hear they're gonna remake robocop and all these other ones like why to come up with something original yeah but once again just
1: no, no no fucking imagination
0: but hey we got these documentaries to go look at i i really appreciate them um you've won some awards for these things and i, I, I don't know you could tell you put your heart into it yeah i mean you know we try our best
1: you know? sometimes we succeed sometimes we don't but you know we do what we can with what we have and usually it's very limited budgets and stuff. But, you know, I can't complain too much because I'm actually doing what I want to do. So, you know,
0: Hey, that's the main part. You're doing yep. what you want to do and I hope you keep doing it. Thank you. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. I know you got things to do. I won't keep My pleasure, you.
1: Man. We can talk another thing whenever you want.
0: Well, I appreciate that. Hey, keep in touch, and uh, I'd love to have you back on. You want to come on and talk about your new project once it comes out? Yeah. Um, we'll promote yeah. it any way we can. have Dallas
1: twice to uh, premiere a couple of films there. Good stuff, man. Nice people there. I like it.
0: you got to come to Austin, man.
1: I've never been to Austin. I've been to Dallas. Man. But I've always heard about Austin being the music city and that, but I never got to premiere anything there hopefully soon hopefully
0: with the next one well i'll tell you what you can definitely get some good stuff here because there's a there's a lot of good music people around here some of them are yeah. local and some of them we, we got willie nelson here so
1: yeah man he's, my, he's one of my heroes <laughs> robert
0: plant lives here
1: yeah well he's not one of my heroes but willie yeah i like to smoke
0: weed like that <laughs> well anyway, I, have a good one we'll be in touch yeah for sure thank you very much and i appreciate please everybody help. joining us until the next one Thank you. cheers bye bye wow another great episode thank you for joining us and if you enjoyed please like leave us a comment please subscribe let everybody know about our channel and please continue to support us catch you on the next one